Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. There was a forged letter that was circulating after he left, and it was as if from Paul. And it was confusing them, it was scaring them, and it was messing them up, and they thought they missed the rapture, and they thought they were already in the tribulation. And they're like, oh my goodness, what about our loved ones that have died? What about them? And that's why Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who died in Christ. Let no man deceive you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Thessalonians. Jesus warned that many false prophets would come into the world proclaiming themselves to be the Christ. They'll teach lies, including end times deception. Pastor J.D. explains today how Paul warned his listeners so no one would be deceived by false teachers and lose their faith. We need to be alert as we wait for the return of Christ. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, well welcome to our live stream and verse-by-verse study through 2 Thessalonians. Uh, Today we are taking and tackling just one verse, verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll invite you if you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Follow along as I read. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I think you'll see why here in a moment, but I'm going to actually read this verse from the 1599 Geneva Bible. Okay? Yeah, cool. How cool is that, right? You gotta love Bible software. So this is pre-1611 King James. This is 1599 Geneva Bible, and it reads as follows. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, speaking of the tribulation, that day shall not come except there come a departing first. And that man of sin, the Antichrist, be disclosed, even the son of perdition. Well, I want to begin by thanking you for your patience with me concerning my understanding of the interpretation of this verse. As many of you know, I've gone back and forth over the years. But in 2017, I settled it as it relates to the interpretation of this verse being about the rapture. And as such, I can stand before you today And I can say with great certainty that Paul is referring to the rapture coming first here in verse 3. 
If you'll kindly indulge me, I'll explain how I get there. And at the conclusion, I'll also explain why this matters now more than it ever has for us as Christians living in this world that we are living in. I owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Andy Woods in his book titled The Falling Away, Spiritual Departure or Physical Rapture, a second look at 2 Thessalonians 2.3. In it, he provides 10 reasons why what many refer to as the falling away, the apostasy, is actually the rapture of the church. I would really encourage you to get your hands on a copy of this booklet. It's actually really a booklet, and uh, God has used it in my life, and it appears that I'm in pretty good company with many others as well. A number of weeks ago, Don Stewart, who we had the privilege of having speak here a number of years ago, was on Happening Now with Jack Hibbs, who we also had more recently. And they were asked this question regarding 2 Thessalonians 2.3, and Don Stewart brought up Dr. Andy Woods uh, and his book that I just referenced. And this is Don Stewart we're talking about. This is a a guy who when he teaches, he reads literally out of the Greek as he's teaching. I mean, he's truly a, a scholar in every sense of the word. And he said, when asked the question, he said, before I read Andy's book, I was at about a maybe a six, you know, on a scale of one to ten, that it was a reference to the rapture. But after reading Andy's book, uh, I'm at like a 9.8. And for somebody like Don Stewart to say that, i got to tell you, I was greatly encouraged. Also, Dr. Arnold Frutenbaum, who we also had the privilege of having uh, uh, speak here. This is a number of years ago at the old building. Dr. Arnold Frutenbaum, get this, revised the chapter of his book, very well-known book, The Footsteps of the Messiah, after reading Andy's book and reconsidering his own position of the falling away or the apostasy. So what follows are three reasons. There are many but three reasons that sealed the deal for me in my quest to understand this game-changing passage. And when I say game-changing, that's not hyperbole. I mean, this, this changes everything. And again, I hope to expound more on that at the conclusion of our time. This is really a game-changer. So here's the first reason. The context favors a physical departure interpretation of apostasia, which is the Greek word in the original language. In the context of both the subsequent verses 
and the prior verses, Paul is clearly speaking about the rapture and not the falling away. His first epistle, (laughs) it's all about the rapture. It's all about the Lord's return. Paul did not mention anything about a falling away or a great apostasy to the Thessalonians. And keep in mind, this is very important, these were his first letters. These were his earliest letters. It was not until later in Paul's ministry, arguably until the end of his life, chiefly when he's writing to Timothy, that he talks about this last day's apostasy, but he never mentioned anything to the Thessalonians early on. It wouldn't be until many years later that he would start talking about a falling away, a spiritual departure from the faith. But that is not the context. Of this, Woods writes, while the three rules of real estate are location, 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 (laughs) the three rules of Bible interpretation are context, context, context. Context is king when determining the meanings of words. This is especially true since words frequently have multiple meanings. Take the word apple as an example. This is a great example. Think how many meanings can be generated from the single word apple. It can refer to a computer, a piece of fruit, the pupil of one's eye, and even New York City. So when you see the word apple in a paragraph, how do you know what the meaning is in play? The context answers that question. If the word apple is found in a context dealing with computers, it would be invalid to substitute a fruit understanding into the word apple. Clearly it is in the context of an apple computer. And so too is the word apostasia clearly in the context of the rapture of the church. Second reason. Early Bible translations favor the physical departure view. I have to say that this is perhaps one of the most compelling arguments such that the earliest Bible translations render the noun apostasy as departure. Wycliffe in the year 1384, Tyndale in the year 1526, Coverdale in the year 1535, Cranmer in the year 1539, Breaches in the year 1576, Biza in the year 1583, and then finally the Geneva Bible, both in 1599 and also in the year 1608. Well, that brings up a question, doesn't it? The question is, 
when is it that the translators change the noun apostasy from departure or departing to falling away in the later translations? For that answer, Woods cites Dr. Thomas Ice, who offers the following explanation. Listen to this. Most scholars say that no one knows the reason for the translation shift. However, a plausible theory has been put forth by Martin Butala in his Master of Theology thesis produced at Dallas Theological Seminary in 1998. It appears, get this, that the Catholic translation into English from Jerome's Latin Vulgate known as the Reims Bible 1576 was the first to break the translation trend. Apostasia was revised from the departure to the Protestant revolt. Oh, that makes sense. No wonder. Oh, it gets better. Revolution is the terminology still in use today when Catholicism teaches the history of the Protestant Reformation. Under this guise, apostasia would refer to a departure of Protestants from the Catholic Church. Let me just insert parenthetically that the campaign now with a dying Catholic Church in these last days is come back home. Oh, by the way, I learned this many, many years ago, and I never knew this, and I'll never forget. It was on Valentine's Day, and I took my wife out to dinner. This is many years ago. We were sitting there, and the server said, hey, what are you guys, you know, doing for Valentine's Day? Uh, you know, and anything special after dinner? I said, we're actually going to our prayer meeting at our church. He goes, oh, you are? I said, yeah. He goes, you must be Catholic. I'm like, I'm looking for my crucifix. You know how they always keep Jesus on the cross? And I didn't have any rosary beads or anything. I'm like, what in the world? Well, he says, oh, uh, Catholic means universal. (laughs) Oh, it does? Yeah. So right now, Catholicism is like, come back home to the mother church, the universal church. Because there was this departure, this this apostasia during the Protestant Reformation. I'm sorry I'm saying it like that, (laughs) but I mean, I I feel duped. Okay, I feel better now. Let me just continue the quote. The Catholic translators appear eager 
to engage in polemics against the Reformation by even allowing it to impact Bible translation. Thus, the shift from a physical to a spiritual understanding of apostasia in 2 Thessalonians 2-3 in the Roman Catholic Reims Bible English translation appears to have been theologically rather than exegetically motivated. That right there settles it for me. But I got one more reason. And it's that 2 Thessalonians 2.3 is part of a review course. Now stay with me on this. I have to confess that this was the biggest obstacle to my understanding of this verse being the rapture and not a spiritual departure or apostasy or falling away from the faith. And it was really this argument of, if it was the rapture, why wouldn't Paul use the Greek word harpazo, like he did in his first epistle? In chapter 4, verse 17, when he says, we who are alive, the trumpet's going to sound, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up, English, harpazo, Greek, Rapturous Latin, which is transliterated rapture. Why? Paul could have saved us a lot of problems if he would have just but used the word harpazo in verse 3. Why didn't he? Answer? (laughs) Because he's writing a second letter to clarify and review everything that he had taught them when he was with them, and he's also now writing this second letter about a year after the first letter because there was a forged letter that was circulating after he left, and it was as if from Paul. And it was confusing them, it was scaring them, and it was messing them up, and they thought they missed the rapture. And they thought they were already in the tribulation. And they're like, oh my goodness, what about our loved ones that have died? What about them? And that's why Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who died in Christ. Let no man deceive you. I I need to say this at this juncture replete throughout Scripture, particularly in the Gospels from the Savior Himself, and then also as echoed by the Apostle Paul, there's this common theme of do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Let no man deceive you. Do you get the impression that there was deception? That this would be an issue? How about that famous, very well-known, all of that discourse, Matthew 24. Oh my goodness, pastors love to preach out of Matthew 24. When the disciples asked Jesus, what are going to be the signs of your return and the end of the age? And Jesus says, let no man deceive you. Don't, the first thing he says is don't be deceived. There's going to be a, a lot of false Christ coming in my name. Don't be deceived. And then he goes on and lists things like 
famines and pestilences and and earthquakes. And oh, by the way, we talked about this, uh, Pastor Mac and I, that uh, he says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In the original language of the Greek New Testament, that word for uh, nation is ethnos, where we get our English word for ethnic. In other words, ethnicity will rise up against ethnicity. And the, <laughs> these, will be the, these will be the beginning of birth pains, meaning that they will come with greater frequency and in greater intensity. So don't be deceived. <laughs> He's clearing it up. And then when he gets to verse 5, which we will get to, Lord willing, next week, we're in no hurry, in case you didn't notice, going through 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I, I hope you know why. I've shared it in the past. I'll share it again. I hope you don't tire of me saying it. But if you were to put a caption on a picture of what is happening in the world today, you could sum it up with 2 Thessalonians 2. You know what is in this chapter? You know what we're going to be talking about after verse 3? We're going to be talking about the Antichrist being revealed after the church is removed. And he's this man of lawlessness, and the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And God says he himself will send this powerful delusion, deception, And it will be so strong that people will believe the lie. Why? Because they rejected the truth. Oh my goodness. This is an apt description of exactly where we are at today in this world. You know what's going to happen next? The rapture. I was asked, uh, Pastor J.D., you, you make it sound like it's really close. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Actually, this is, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is why this matters. This is why this matters, because if this is the rapture, and it is, do you realize if the Antichrist cannot be revealed, the, the lawlessness that we already see at work, And and the rapture comes first, then, verse 3, the Antichrist is revealed. And we're already seeing lawlessness at work. That means the rapture is like really close. Think about what Jesus said. He said, behold, I come an hour you expect not. It's sooner than any of us could possibly imagine. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but that doesn't mean you have to stop learning from God's Word. We encourage you to read the Bible yourself. Each book holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of support and comfort, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. 
This is also a place you can serve and encourage others too, and where you can be challenged to dive deeper into your relationship with Christ. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast prophecy updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time for more from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.